It's two o'clock. It's the What's Right with Sam and Ash show. I've got great news. I'm Ash. I'm here. The bad news is Sam is not. But I also have better news. Maybe. I don't know. If you listened last week, we had a great guest on uh, U.S. Air Force veteran Robbie Hagland, very good friend of mine and Sam's. And he is stepping into the large shoes of Sam's today. Oh, I'd say uh, I have some fancy shoes to fill. Fancy. Yeah, you've got fancy shoes to fill. But I think you're prepared. I, Are you? We'll see. We'll see if I can uh, replace the irreplaceable. <laughs> I think you'll do fine. Um, but regardless, if you don't like today's show, blame Sam because he left us hanging high and dry today. But it was well-deserved. He needed a break. Um, so, yeah, and I missed last Friday. And unfortunately, I missed John Curtis' uh, Twitter handle, at EatingLV, his food recommendation for the weekend. So if you're like me and you need to go see what John Curtis recommended um, please go check out the podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you'll also find the Veterans Day show that Robbie was featured in, and that was also really a fun, fun show. It Didn't was. You think? Yeah, you yeah, had fun? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Did your, did your head grow at all? Like, did you get an ego? <laughs> no, you, not, you, no okay, not at all. Okay. Well, okay, Robbie. So fun fact, Robbie lives in LA County. I know, don't hold it against him, Las Vegas. He's still a friendly. Definitely don't hold it against me. Feel sorry for him. <laughs> that's, that's the correct response. Uh, that, is, that is actually a much more accurate response to have. But okay, I was driving to work and I listened to a radio show and they mentioned that LA your native land, not your native land. It is your current home. Yes. Temporarily, I think. They're moving to exempt malls from COVID-19 vaccine verification requirements. So again, LA County has the Safe Pass LA, which is the strictest in the nation that requires proof of full COVID-19 vaccinations to enter indoor shopping centers, restaurants, movie theaters, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the city council apparently voted 10-0 to get the city attorney to revise the local ordinance so that it'll only apply to 12 years old and above, but that shopping malls will be exempt. What are your thoughts? I think it's another example of COVID shenanigans. Yeah, I think whether it's intended to be this way or just in effect, this has kind of been a, a couple of years long now war on small businesses. Yeah, I, that's ex exactly it's they're constantly shifting the goalposts and it's not fair. You it, either COVID is a legitimate health concern that you should not be in an establishment with other people around without proof of vaccination or it's not that serious and we just would like you to. And here it seems like they're carving out which segments of the population have to comply and which don't. Yeah, it's it's a serious health concern unless you are politically connected or you're part of an industry that can band together and get some sort of exemption. So that's what you think. You think all the mall organize, organizers, the mall, is there a union for malls? I don't know. But you think they banded together and kind of lobbied and put all the pressure on these local city officials and said, hey, Holiday season's coming along. All the offshore tankers aren't moving goods. We need people in our stores. And the only way we can do that is make people feel like they don't have to prove anything when they get here. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a huge part of it. If not, I don't know what the other explanation is. And, and maybe that's a, a cynical explanation, but I think the other option you have is that we're just basically throwing darts you know, randomly at, at a map and deciding what's exempted and what's not. <laughs> exactly. You want to know what's the most 
indicative of us throwing darts. I shouldn't say us. L.A. County throwing darts here is it would likely the vaccination requirement providing verification that would still likely hold true if you were a restaurant or a bar inside a mall. So the, I don't know, let's just pick a store, the Abercrombie and Fitch. I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore, but that next door that's selling clothing has to just let anyone in. They don't care. You don't have to check anything. Fine. Come in, buy your skinny jeans, listen to loud music, lose some of your decibel possibilities in your eardrums. But if you're the TGI Fridays next door, oh no, no, no. You've got your skinny jeans, you've got your cute sweatshirt from Abercrombie, but now you've got to prove in order to sit down, you've got to prove that you've been vaccinated. I, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's crazy town and this whole, I, I mean, the whole proof of vaccination too, I think shows how unserious this is, uh, with, you know, all the, all the latest studies that have come out point to, uh, people having natural immunity, people who had COVID and recovered have much longer lasting immunity to COVID. Yeah, you know, and if you're just tuning in, it's the What's Right Show with Sam and Ash, but this is Substitute Sam that you're hearing on the other end. That is Robbie Hagland, our uh, resident L.A. native for the moment, and he's giving his take on the L.A. move to exempt malls from COVID-19 vaccine verification requirements. And it's just another example of politicians pushing an agenda and trying to cater towards big businesses, lobbyists, campaign dollars, et cetera, when they're not really taking, I guess, science into effect. And it's it's another example of what we can't allow happen to our town in Las Vegas. All the Californians are moving to Vegas. We've seen it happen. There's been a great influx. They've said Governor Newsom is the greatest real estate agent in Las Vegas over the last year. <laughs> it's been the running joke that I've heard Sam and he's, everyone. He's made me have second thoughts about where I live. That's for sure. Well, Las Vegas would love to have you, Robbie. So please pack up the mule, <laughs> pack up, you know, your dog. Uh, Robbie, Great friend, also a dog lover, owner, his dog. What's your dog's name? Best name ever. Merv Griffon. And uh, <laughs> it's a play on his his breed as a wire-haired pointing Griffon. Oh, um, my gosh. And I, Merv's just a great name, too, because he looks like an old man. He's got a beard. He does. But I always love when you tell people your dog's name, whether it's a great test of how cultured they are in pop, like in media and TV, they just either get it or they're like, huh. Well, and, and when you're walking your dog, it's even better because you want to have that really quick test of, do I want to cut and run or do I want to stand here and talk to this person for a minute <laughs> while the dogs play? And as soon as you throw out the name, you know whether the person is worth talking to or not. That You know, I've got a similar situation with Rocky. His name is Rockford for the Rockford Files. And so if people get it, they're either in or they're out. And so, I, Robbie, I love the fact that you've got a great dog. Unfortunately, he didn't come to the recording session today, but he's always welcome. Well, I'll bring him next time. Okay. But he has to bring his verification for all his vaccines, <laughs> you know, rabies, et cetera. I mean, that's so ridiculous. It's, I also, one other thing on this vaccine verification, we don't require it for airline travel. Why? No, they're, they're so I think what's really, really funny about this is there, I, I think over the past couple of months, there's been a big pushback of people making fun of the, I do my own research. And, you know, that's been really ridiculed. And uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about how normal people can't do their own research. But the funniest thing to me is that the people who are making that claim are almost always the people who are saying, follow the science, except for 
what they're doing isn't quite following the science as much as it's following the television. Yeah, or the government-funded science or yeah. government agenda science. I mean, it's they're not looking at studies that we're seeing across the nation and just looking at data and showing. Right. Yeah, they're, they're not looking at, at at Israel's recent study showing that you know natural naturally acquired immunity is likely twenty seven times better than uh, the vaccine. They're not, they're not looking at anything like that. And if they were, and they were trying to build policy, I think the, the most interesting thing to do uh, as somebody just kind of watching this is line up the facts you know and ask yourself, what would a rational policy look like given those, given those facts, given that science? And I promise it doesn't look anything like whatever it is we're doing. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's what, you know, the producers of the show are always yelling at me. How do I make this a local story? And really that's, it is a local issue because we have small businesses that were just destroyed during COVID protocols, the shutdown. And there was no, and as science evolved and we, or science came out and the studies came out and the research came out and the data, we needed to adjust our practices accordingly. And so we're also headed into an election year. And so what, what you really need to be is an avid researcher. You can't just read headlines. You can't just buy into whatever you're told. You have to, at some level, do your own research and trust your own instincts. Don't just, you know, let a, and let a journalist grab you by the hand and lead you to whatever watering hole they want you to drink from. That's, that's sipping the Kool-Aid and we can't allow that. That's not what's right. I agree 100%. I know. Well, Robbie, I love having you here. Again, it's What's Right with Sam and Ash, uh, News Talk AM 840 KXNT. We'll be back. We're going to address the Rittenhouse trial saga. You know, it's the closing arguments today. And so I know everyone wants to know about it. And so we're going to touch on it when we get back. Stay tuned. All right, we're back. It's the What's Right with Sam and Ash show. But unfortunately, like I said in the first segment, we don't have Sam, but we've got someone that's equally prepared. And I think if anyone's up to the test of fitting and filling Sam's fancy shoe footprints, it is our man, Robbie Hagland, a U.S. Air Force veteran who was on our show Veterans Day. So if you missed that show, please go check it out. I've heard it's probably one of the better shows that we've had. So go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to hear what Robbie had to say about his time in the service and out and how he's kind of viewed things since. It's it's actually really an interesting story. Thanks for coming on today and doing that veteran show, Robbie. Always happy to be fake, Sam. Here with, <laughs> here with my fake law degree and everything. Oh my gosh. Anytime, just let me know. You can, we'll push Sam off to the side and you can come in. But earlier we were talking about COVID restrictions in LA and how it's kind of a shenanigans with moving the goalposts. And there's a little bit of media at play also. Well, here we are again. Now we're at the Rittenhouse trial, which if you have not, if you've, if you don't live under a rock, you've heard about this, right? It's hard to avoid right now. Yeah, it's everywhere, at at least everywhere that I'm following. But this is the kind of, I follow these things pretty closely um, when it comes to self-defense. And I think an important thing to remember, too, is that, you know, it seems like something that's far away over in Kenosha. But uh, the way that this has gone, it they're really trying to turn self-defense on its head. And, you know, that that applies to all of us. You're absolutely right. Self-defense is our fundamental right. We have to be able to protect ourselves when a threat is coming at us. And the big question, again, is reasonableness always. But if if you're if you've been living under a rock, the Rittenhouse trial is in closing arguments today. And what this all started out is it was during the protests following the Jacob Blake shooting. Remember this, Robbie? Yep. It happened in August 2020. 
three months after George Floyd. So tensions, racial, social justice movements were at their peak. We also had COVID lockdown. So everyone was just angry all around the country. Everyone was angry and it was interesting, uh, you know, during that time too, I, I think like this case uh, with Jacob Blake, the media tried to give a one size, one-sided uh, story of that. And it, and it really stoked the fires a lot that ended up with what happened in Kenosha. I mean, I think the media is very much responsible for that by hiding things about Jacob Blake, by making it seem like this was a, a, a cut and dry issue of police abuse of a black man and racism run amok. And, you know, just kind of the, the, the white supremacy wagon circling with law enforcement. And it, it turned out that the Jacob Blake case was a lot more complicated than that. And a lot of the media knew it beforehand, but they stoked those flames anyway. Yeah. And, and we've on this show, we continuously yell at the media for having these agendas it's stroking their narrative pushing their narrative irresponsibly to the point where the the masses get behind it and they get invested in this storyline regardless of the facts and remember i mean jacob blake he he ended up being shot by the kenosha police officer he's paralyzed from the waist down but what we haven't really heard much media about is state prosecutors did not pursue charges, criminal charges against the officer. Federal um, prosecutors also refused to press charges against the officer for the same reasons, because they saw a video. They realized he was a felon with a knife, and that, and that was a violence call. And so that's what officers do. They run into the line of danger. They have to make split-second decisions that you or I could never, I, I could never make. Um, and it's not foolproof. No, and I, I couldn't make those decisions either in a lot of circumstances. And I'm also not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a thin blue line person. I think I, I'm treat police abuse very, very seriously. I think it is a very serious problem. I think there's a lack of training. I think police are, you know, they're underpaid. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're hired maybe a little bit too frivolous, frivolously. There um, it is. Yeah. There it is. And I, I don't think nearly enough time goes into making sure that they can handle these situations well, but I'm also very willing to admit when police are not at fault. Right. And that's what the media should have done in this Jacob Blake situation. They should have recognized these situations are tough calls. It's not going to be cut and dry, but instead they stoked these protesters and the protesters, they ended up in the streets. Kyle Rittenhouse was one of those protesters. He actually wasn't. He was on the street at the time. He says he was there to protect property and a car dealership from any type of destruction. And also I think to render aid is what he said. And then in the, in while being there, other rioters, activists, protesters, allegedly, I mean, we got to caveat everything right now with allegedly threatened his life to the point where he felt the need to use deadly force to protect himself. And so what you're bringing up is a great point. If you, it's, it's an open carry state. He was not breaking the law. There was a misdemeanor charge that, a, that was just dismissed this morning for a minor carrying a, a, a gun. And I, yeah. Yeah. And I, so the, the law in Wisconsin uh, is for open carry. So you can have a long gun as a 16 or 17 year old um, or older. They do have a law they were trying to charge him under that 
minors cannot carry long guns uh, unless they are being supervised by an adult. So this is kind of a carve out for hunting. Mm -hmm. And they want to allow, you know, 12, 13, 14 year olds to go hunt with their family. Uh, So that's where that carve out comes from. And the other part is that if you're 16 or 17, they trust you to go hunt alone as well. And so uh, there, there is this carve out in their minors cannot have a gun. Um, but it's a short, it's a handgun. Right? No, no. Oh. I, so there's a, there's a carve out. So the law where it got confusing and where people were confused is you have a law that says minors cannot carry any sort of gun. Uh, but then there's an exemption the car, yeah, for the 16 carve out, and 17 yes, for year long olds. guns so that they can go hunting. Understood. Right. So ultimately, we have prosecutors charging Kyle Rittenhouse for possessing a gun, at an AR-15. It's a long gun. He was 17 at the time. All of those are established facts that aren't in dispute. But yet he's being prosecuted for a charge that they just couldn't hold up. And so accordingly, the judge dismissed it this morning. And and that raises one question of how did we get all the way to closing arguments with a tri- with a charge on on this case when it couldn't have ever withstood the test of jury instructions. And yeah, and it's one of the things that you you kept hearing repeated over and over and over again was, well, he was breaking the law by being there. You know, first it was he crossed state lines with a gun. Um, and first of all, it's, I mean, it's 15 or 20 minutes from where he lives to, uh, to Kenosha. So it's, it's, you know, half the time that it would take from, to get from Prim to Baker, but they're acting, they're acting as if. Yeah. It's some, that he trekked across a full state and a half to get there. And it it took actually three hours. And And it's, yeah. yeah. And it's part of a narrative that he just went there to hurt people, um, or to, fuel some hero complex and it, you know it's never followed up with actually he lives very very close also his father lives in kenosha uh, i believe a grandparent in kenosha an uncle cousins so they uh, tried to present this narrative that he was totally unconnected from this city and went in there with some sort of hero complex to play real life call of duty and and then it all went horribly and it, it's just simply not the case yeah and, and so if you're just tuning in it's ash and robbie Haglin stepping in for sam on the what's right with sam and ash show we're touching on the kyle rittenhouse trial we're not getting into the nit and gritty details of what the charges are what the f- evidence has shown so far we're really just figuring out how did we get here and is this really what is in the best interest of our community with media reporting justice seeking and and right now all signs point to no we should have never been here. Uh, and for the variety of reasons of, as we just discussed, that Jacob Blake uh, reporting was misinformed. It did not include any of the details of what was going on and the nuances of police encounters because it was on the heels of the George Floyd um, incident. We're also talking about how they're, they're crossing state lines is a, allegedly a bad motive and holding that against him. And he's a minor carrying a long gun. And so that he had no business being there. And and that's turning to be the the ultimate theme of the prosecution's case is why was he there? What was his point other than to, what was his motive for being there that night other than to potentially get into an altercation, dust up some, you know, ruffle some feathers, just, just be a bad actor. He should have stayed home. But 
I think the real problem here is the media never ever contemplated a situation where he was just a 17 year old who went out, was curious to see what was going on, really may have been so naive to go, I'm just going to go protect property uh, and, you know, stand up for what I think is right. I'm going to go do what I think is right, whether or not in in hindsight, it's the right decision. The media never contemplated that. He was just a, a vigilante going out to cause da- cause harm and create danger. And yeah, and they, they leaned really, really hard on the fact that he was there with an AR-15, and why would he have it if he was not intending to shoot it, as if, you know, you're, as if deterrents are something that don't exist. Yeah, and so there's a lot of nuance here, but I'm really fascinated on the media reporting, and I think they're setting up Kenosha for a lot of dangerous results as a result of the, the verdict that's coming out soon, and and I just think it's, it's really sad, and we could have avoided it. So stay tuned. Robbie's going to continue on with us, and we're going to hear what else is left on this Rittenhouse issue. It's the News Talk AM840 KXNT. What's right with Sam and Ash? Alan Stock here. I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AMA 40 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 8.30. So stay tuned in because you deserve what's right. It's What's Right with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Again, we don't have Sam today, but we have a great, great co-host that's stepping in to fill his fancy footprints. Robbie Hagland, um, a good friend of the show, our resident veteran who's always here to step in and, and talk about what's right. Yeah. And Ash, just before the break, you were uh, talking about kind of the way the media is setting this up. And I actually, I feel really sorry for the people that are stuck in these echo chambers because they are being set up for massive disappointment with this case. If you were to just read CNN, MSNBC, uh, and and other you know corporate press outlets, you would be under the impression that this case is still basically a slam dunk. That the only the only explanation for an acquittal would be systemic white supremacy. You're absolutely right, and I, I'm glad you're touching on this because right now the the community of Kenosha, there, the reports are they're nervous. There's been I think 500 National Guard been called in to handle the wake of the verdict, regardless of which way it is. There's going to be people up in arms, but primarily, of course, if there are acquittals, it's going to feel like there was a. a deep injustice served here when I really think the deep injustice was created by the media. They've painted a picture that never, ever was the situation. Yeah. And, and case in point, you know, I'm, I was on Twitter a few days ago, just looking through some of the responses and this is a fairly big account, but it's a, a, a girl on November 10th who said, I'm highly educated and reasonably perceptive. And it was only today that I learned Kyle Rittenhouse victims were white. My progressive bubble made this seem like a very different case than it is. Yeah, unreal. I'm with that person, whoever it is, because I remember when early on before the trial started, you know, the attorneys have to go back and forth with the judge as to what language can be said, what things can't you say, what what's allowed and what's, you know, you're setting the rules for the game, basically, and they do that outside the presence of the jury. And one of the contentious things was, how do we refer to the people that were shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse? Of course, the prosecutors wanted to refer to them as victims. And the defense wants to refer to them as the factual people that they were. They were, mm-hmm. I think, felons, uh, rioters, arson. Like, that's what... the Child abusers, I mean... 
to so, put it lightly. Yeah. And so that those were the two arguments. And the judge ruled in favor of the defense and said, look, they're not victims. That's what we're here for. We're here to figure out if they are, in fact, victims of a crime or if, but we're going to allow you to call them what they've been previously convicted of because that's their, they're actually who they are. And so I'm with them. When I heard these stories coming out, I had no idea who the, who was shot and killed at this event. I had no idea. I'm with them. I thought it was, you know, it was a race. War. It was actually a racial right. issue. And, and some of these people, you know, some people might think that this is just something that started coming out at trial because that's often what happens mm-hmm. is you get one narrative and then the trial starts and all this new information is uncovered. But so much of this information has been available for, you know, months and months and months, if not since you know, the days after it occurred. Yeah, absolutely. This information has been available to the media for since the day it occurred. The The stuff that really comes out at trial that you're not sure of, that's the nuance, the technicalities of, of you know, random testing or facts or evidence that just isn't, isn't out in the media or the media doesn't have unique access to. But this stuff, you know, they knew the names of the, of the people that were killed. They knew who the parties were, why they were there. And they just, they did a huge disservice by how they reported it. One, and the, the cynical part of me is, says that that disservice is in line with their incentives. And their incentives are, I mean, riots are fantastic for ratings for cable news. And it, it, that's that's really sad to to have to go there and be that cynical that that they're trying to intentionally stoke up these fears, stoke up this hate to create a situation that they can report on breathlessly, and everyone will be inside their homes, scared to go outside, glued to their televisions, and they get to rake in all those ratings. Uh, and so, you know, if you're not that cynical, then what's the other option? I mean, this is you know, it's a game of are they evil or are they stupid, and. If that's not their intention, if they're not intentionally trying to drum up riots, then they are so grossly incompetent at the job of journalism that nobody should listen to them ever again. They have no place talking to the American people and not doing their due diligence to give us the information that is reasonably true. You're absolutely you're raising an interesting point that I think I want to touch on in the, maybe the next segment on whether or not journalism is in fact journalism at all anymore, or we've all just, we pick our, our colors. You're like, I'm a Fox news person. I'm a CNN person. And I'm just going to, that's the Kool-Aid I'm sipping. And so the organizations, those media outlets, they don't feel a responsibility to report the facts anymore. They just, they, they report their sides facts and their agendas, which I don't think is fair. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I think it creates a very volatile, situation for us is a community where we're on opposite sides. But before we go to that bigger issue of media, I want to talk about what the the crux of this Rittenhouse case comes down to something that you're really passionate about as a Second Amendment guy. You've told me I can say that, and, and that you are a gun owner on air. I am too. But uh, the, the real thing is self-defense is critical. It, it, we need that. And that's what's what Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial right now is whether or not he was entitled to use self-defense and whether or not his use of deadly force was reasonable. And I would say that his use of deadly force was not only reasonable, but if you care about self-defense, he did a much better job than you can count on yourself to Elaborate do. on that. So he, you know, he ended up discharging eight rounds. Um, the first four were into the, in 0.76 seconds into the first, uh, victim Rosenbaum who allegedly tried to grab his gun. 
And, you know, they're, they, the prosecution is really leaning on this, saying that those four shots in 0.76 seconds shows a disregard for, for life. But the distance that Rosenbaum was at, he was doing exactly what you are supposed to do in a self-defense situation, which is fire until the threat is neutralized. And one other thing that I think is fascinating of this is as a gun owner, you're responsible for that gun. We remember we just talked mm-hmm. about this entirely in the Alec Baldwin. Whenever you're holding on to a firearm, you have a responsibility to know exactly what that firearm is capable of doing. You, you're in control of it entirely. And so the unique thing about this, is someone's lunging at your firearm, that's a problem for a variety of reasons. Elaborate. Right. I mean, you know. Well, if, if it can be taken from you by somebody who obviously had bad intent intentions. I mean, this guy is chasing him down. Uh, that's, a, that's a reasonable fear for your life if they're trying to grab your weapon. And I can't recall if Rosenbaum's the one that made the statements in the public about wanting to fight or kill people. Yes, he was. So he, those are, uh, those are alleged statements. I mean, they're, they're not on video, I don't think. Um, so, but, but, but there's, there's been multiple yeah. witnesses, yeah, who have said that this is the case, and he seemed very crazy, and knowing his background, I, I mean, I, so, I tend to believe that. So if Rittenhouse heard these statements where Rosenbaum is claiming that if anyone causes trouble, he's going to kill them, next thing you know, Rosenbaum is chasing him, he's cornered, or he's con- he's getting cornered because he's in a right. tight he's quarters. he's kind of in between some cars. cars. He now has someone lunging for his firearm. That is a problem. You, you, you've heard his intent. He's now taking steps toward that goal. Yes. Uh, from just a, a lay person, and that's what a juror is, that's, a, that's, a, that's something you have to consider of whether or not it was reasonable. And his obligation is to act reasonably and only discharge his weapon if reasonable. And from everything that I've seen and heard, yeah. Yeah. And the, the defense is saying, you know, he could have stopped. He should have stopped after the first shot because it shattered the right pelvis of Rosenbaum. Those four shots were made in 0.76 seconds. You are not stopping after that first shot to see if the guy who's three feet from you can still get on top of you. I mean, it, it's just a crazy assertion for anybody and a, and a crazy precedent for anybody who who wants self-defense. I mean, and when I say you can't count on yourself to do as well as Rittenhouse did in this, I'd, I'd also say I include myself in that. I include 95% of people I served with in the military in that. I, I, I maybe even fewer police officers I would, I would trust to be able to act as, as responsibly as he did in that situation. Now you can argue that it was irresponsible of him to be there in the first place. Sure. But that's not what this case is about. Nope, it's not. A, it was never a crime for him to get to have his mom drive him over to Kenosha with his AR-15. And, and not with out. her, his AR-15 too. I, I should correct that because that's something that was said along a lot as well is that he crossed state lines with an AR-15 as if that mattered that much, but he did not. He was driven to Kenosha where, driven across state lines where his AR-15 was stored in his, uh, I believe, friend's father's gun safe. Wow. So, I mean... That's not a crime. Getting in a car, driving to Kenosha, getting your gun out of your safe, attending riots that are going on and protests that are going on on the street, that was never a crime. And right now, the prosecution is pointing to that 
his mental state doing those things as being the reason why we have to consider him such a bad actor. Correct. I want to get into this more. I think there's a lot of other issues, especially with the media that we were touching on. So um, stay tuned. Come back. It's the What's Right with Sam and Ash show. If you've missed any of it, check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And um, if you have any anything you want to chime in, call the show 800-245-2100 and we will be right back. Salmonash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Salmonash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or SalmonashLaw.com because you deserve what's right. It's News Talk AM 840 KXNT. It's What's Right with Sam and Ash. No Sam, just Ash with substitute Sam, Robbie Hagland, our uh, resident veteran who is joining me today to cover very interesting topic, the Rittenhouse trial. We've gone over a lot of it today, but not the evidence. We're talking about how did we get here today? And what I mean by that is, I mean, how did we get here where I consider myself a sophisticated reader of headlines and and just the news and I'm a little blindsided about the facts that are that are coming out and coming to light through the trial and and I the reason I say that is because there's been such a media narrative behind this whole trial where uh Rittenhouse was this vigilante kid who crossed state lines carrying an AR-15 and all he wanted to do was cause trouble and as a result uh, he shot three people and killed two but really there's more to it. There's more nuance. And now we're all hearing that he, he might've actually had a legitimate self-defense claim. And I would argue after what I've heard and the testimony and evidence I've seen more likely than not, he had a very legitimate. And I would say unquestionably. And, and part of one thing we didn't say with uh, kind of the way the media has spun this mm-hmm. is there's been censorship as well. What and do you mean? So this was a, I, I, showed you right after our show on Thursday that, oh, yeah. uh, that Facebook was censoring. I mentioned this. I still have the screenshots. We'll have to put this up that you were searching Rittenhouse on Facebook and it showed 500,000 people. It showed just 500,000 people are talking about this, but provided, zero results. provided zero results. And I had you search something that was similarly newsworthy, but maybe less politically charged and it was the Travis Scott thing. And Mm -hmm. so there was maybe tens of thousands of people talking about it and a list of articles. And I even looked up something as politically charged from the other side, January 6th. And that was not being, because, you know, some of there, there have been some updates in that, but none of that was being censored either. So it's not that it was politically divisive. It's just that it didn't fit one specific side of the narrative. And you could even go to Facebook's news section. I, I learned later and you could find their approved news sources of Rittenhouse, which are going to give you the same bad information that we've been getting from the beginning on this. And that's a whole nother subject. We might have to do a special podcast on how social media companies need to be treated as traditional news outlets because it's fascinating the exemptions they have under the, under the federal law. Mm-hmm. And they, they abuse it. And they abuse it to the extent where they can just silence yes. everyone from posting and silence all of the tweets and everything that's relevant. And then they can determine who is a Facebook sponsored outlet. That's a, that's a whole nother problem. And the, and, yeah. And I'd, I'd say, I'd say another problem that's both on social media and especially on cable news here is how did we get here? That's kind of what we're talking yeah. about. And these are, you know, he's obviously been overcharged. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think there's even been some changes as the case has gone on what he's charged with. So why was he overcharged? And for me, that, that seems pretty obvious. There's a lot of public pressure and that's pressure that's stoked by the media. And so what you get into these situations where you have people who want to see justice done, cable news is telling them this is what justice is. Mm -hmm. This is what we should go for. You see this in all sorts of cases. I mean, you know, George Zimmerman, uh, was overcharged not because of the the severity or the gravity of the situation, but because prosecutors have to look at what they can prove. And if they overcharge something, then they're risking acquittal. Yeah, and there's actually another interesting one, Casey Anthony. That's not a it's not a racial issue, but it was a media frenzied case that the prosecutors overcharged her based on what evidence they had available. And as a result, she's a free woman. And so yeah. so prosecutors and Sam and I got into the debate about it and kind of a heated discussion where he pulled out his soapbox last week of how prosecutors fall victim to this political position that they're in. They try to feed the narrative. They try to make people happy rather than assessing what evidence is available and what what crimes and laws are on the books and do they match and can I proceed and can I carry through my my obligations, my, my prosecutorial power. There's no, there's probably no greater power in our country, I would argue, other than the power to go to war. But at, at our local level, the prosecutorial power is significant. And, and they're just wielding it willy-nilly and altering people's lives. Well, and, and the incentives are, are basically for them to do that. And, and that's, I think, the saddest thing here is we should have, the incentives should all align for prosecutors to be trying to find the truth. And trying to, you know, not just win a case, but to make sure that the person is guilty and it's not their job if it's, you know, if it's unclear or if the person is probably not guilty, it's not their job to, shouldn't be their job to just win the case anyway. Right. (laughs) This isn't, we're not putting a, a square block through a round hole just because my narrative and my moral code tells me it needs to fit through it. That's not, if you have an issue with the laws, then you have to go through the legislative process and change it. And so this is the big subject that we want to touch on today. I don't want to get into the nitty gritty of the trial. I want to hold media accountable. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to the self-defense. Self-defense. This is, this is something, you know, for, for everybody, I, I think it's really important. One of the things that I've seen in anybody who's watched the trial and is very familiar with firearms has been just uh, cringing at almost every exchange and they really should have had a firearms expert there you know they they it's crazy the kind of things that they said his ar-15 is a large caliber weapon it is on the absolute small side of any rifle um as far as the the caliber of of an ar-15 goes which is well and his which is 223 or 556 that full metal jackets are designed to pass through people that's not true Hollow points are designed to explode. Even the judge corrected the prosecutor on that and said, do you mean expand? These are things that anybody with cursory knowledge of, of guns should know. Um, and one of the biggest things that the prosecution, I, I don't think the defense did a very good job on this, but the prosecution kept trying to push this recklessness narrative mm-hmm. by pointing to the type of ammo that he was using, that he was using full metal jacket 223 ammo. And for, you know, the, this is in the nitty gritty, um, but it's important. And well, it's important for our listeners because here in Ve- we're, we're an open carry state. And yeah. so and you, you have to balance stopping power mm-hmm. 
with not wanting to overpenetrate. So that's something that I have have looked into a ton because I live in urban settings. So the last thing I would ever want is to use my weapon in self-defense and have it go into the neighbor's house and yeah. hurt somebody. And two, two, three rounds are particularly good at not overpenetrating because of their shape, because of their lightweight. They tumble when they hit something. So they'll hit drywall and they'll start tumbling and they'll go through fewer walls than even a lot of handguns go through. And so it's, you know, it's actually a great choice and a responsible choice for self-defense, but that's so complicated. And I just, I was thinking, you know, how, if I was in his situation, how do you explain to a jury that might not know about guns, yeah. why you're using the ammunition that you're using? And, you know, I think that the, the best advice, if you have a weapon for self-defense, find out whatever local police are using as their ammunition that's a great and use tip. that. That's a pro tip, people. If you're listening, say it again, Robbie, so everyone can, you know, we're an open carry state, so this stuff matters. Yeah, if you make sure your self-defense ammo matches whatever law enforcement is using in that area, because that's easy for a jury to understand. Why did you choose this in this ammunition? Because it's the same ammunition that police use, and they have the same concerns that I have in in defensively using ammo, in not having it over-penetrate mm-hmm. and hit other bystanders, but also have it be a reasonable round for stopping a threat. Yeah, that's fascinating insight, Robbie. I really appreciate you joining me today to give your take on this important issue of self-defense because it really, this stuff matters and we've seen it erode with police excessive force trials and to see it now enter a a private, a person's choice, it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out and I'm curious to see the verdict like everyone else's and I hope that based on the media's reporting on the outset, we don't see any more rioting even though that's probably what they're into. And the ultimate takeaway from today's show, and I think you would agree, Robbie, is that bad journalism does not help anyone. It does not help your social justice movement. It does not help any marginalized segment of our population. The only person or entity that thrives on bad journalism is mainstream media or the bad journalists. And start blacklisting people who lie to you. Just stop listening to them. Tune them out. Yep. We will continue to scream this from the top of our lungs because it's not what's right. And that's what we do here. Robbie, you're going to have to come back maybe when Sam's here, maybe when he's not here. But thank you again for joining me on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. What's right with Sam and Ash. (laughs) 